Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a really good episode. I'm going to continue trial by jury. Sanders Spooner's great essay. And I finish up the uh, chapter about illegal juries in the United States. It's really good. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer. I've practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell them the truth. And I am a self-certified master practitioner for almost 20 years now. I gave myself that award for figuring out the con that is constitutional conservatism, which I used to believe for decades. I also gave myself a Lifetime Achievement Award recently for all the great work I've done with the podcasts. <laughs> so I've got a lot of fake awards. I'm pretty proud of those. <laughs> all right, let's get the show going. So I'm going to continue doing the trial by jury Spooner essay. And I'm in the middle of a chapter that's really one of my favorites. It's about why the juries we have in America are illegal. They simply aren't real juries. And in order to understand that, you still have to go and kind of read the essay or at least follow on from the other shows I've made because the entire purpose of the jury is that the people stay in charge and keep the government in check. And in this chapter, I've already covered part of it. I'm a, I may finish this chapter up today. That's my goal. And the important thing is it starts to touch on these concepts that I cover in the other series I did, which was his No Treason essay. And that's all about what is the government? How do you consent to it? They push this crap, this majority vote kind of thing. Tons of people aren't even allowed to vote, but they push this idea that somehow that is the say I get. And that's just ridiculous. I don't agree to that. Tons of people don't agree to that. And anyone who does agree to that really is either a fool or they know they're in the majority and they're going to get their way anyway. <laughs> but nobody would agree to a system like we're told we have, which is this rigged up vote with these ridiculous numbers. And you get to cast one and then this paid liar goes up there and does whatever they want. If you don't like it, then you have to vote for the other paid liar. And you don't get any of the things you like, but you supposedly consent to this thing where any and everything can just get jammed down your throat. I've done show after show and showed people that it's absurd that if you're in a minority, that at any time the majority can just vote to do whatever they want to you. And the tax code's a perfect example, along with all sorts of other things where uh, supposedly I agree that a Another group of people can simply vote that I must pay whatever it is they say because <laughs> I'm in a minority. That doesn't make sense. Nobody would agree to that. And the reason this jury trial essay is so important is that the way the jury trial is supposed to work is that it's the actual last line of defense because it's the place where the rubber meets the road. And even though you may not be able to have a government where you get a say in every vote, and it has to be unanimous every time. It's true. You're never going to have a government like that. But we could easily have a government where you, if you have actual jury trials like this, what happens is you get these 12 random people in there. And unless they can agree unanimously to enforce the law, then the law can't be enforced. See, and so you, in effect, get a veto. And all these small minority kinds of people, therefore, get their representation. And the laws can't be passed such that they override minorities. That's the entire purpose of having the jury trial like that. You keep the government in check. 
This is the way the actual minorities get a say. This is the way you could actually consent to the situation because you get to vote at that time when you're in the jury box and no, I don't agree to this law. And you vote against it and one single vote against it and the law can't be enforced. See, that's the way it's supposed to work as opposed to now where supposedly one vote years ago in Congress in some rigged up fashion with a bunch of people getting bribes and payoffs that you have nothing to do with. Well, now you're bound. You have to do it. And we, everyone has to obey it. No, that's not the system. I don't agree to that. I agree to a system where one person in the jury box can simply uh, make the law unenforceable. I like that, you know, and 12 random people. Because you're not going to be able to get virtually any of the laws that they have on the books now would ever be able to be enforced if we had real jury trials. And people would get representation. That's the purpose of them, beyond the fact that the government has to be kept in check and the government can't be in charge of that. But I've gone over that again and again. So let's get back to the reading. He had just discussed the fact that the for hundreds and hundreds of years, the kings in England had attempted to undermine the jury right that had gotten given in the Magna Carta. And these restrictions, every one of them is just a load of shit. So let's pick it up there. These restrictions, or indeed any one of them, of the right of eligibility as jurors was, in principle, a complete abolition of the English Constitution, or at least of its most vital and valuable part. It was, in principle, an assertion of a right on the part of the government to select the individuals who were to determine the authority of its own laws and the extent of its own powers. It was, therefore, in effect, the assertion of a right on the part of the government itself to determine its own powers and the authority of its own legislation over the people and a denial of all right on the part of the people to judge of determining their own liberties against the government. It was, therefore, in reality, a declaration of entire absolutism on the part of the government. And this is so important. I make show after show when I explain the way these ridiculous systems work inside government, these fake checks and balances, that ultimately it's just the government who supposedly sits in judgment of the government. The Supreme Court tells us what the law is. Well, that's just the government. Supreme Court tells us whether it's constitutional. Well, that's just the government. It's ridiculous. Supreme Court says they can do it. Supreme Court says it's covered by the Interstate Commerce Clause. <laughs> it's, it's all made up. See, what's supposed to be is the jurors, the individual citizens make that decision, not the government. You can never have an entity which is in charge of keeping itself in check. That doesn't make sense, but that's what constitutional conservatives have convinced the people of because they've so distorted and obliterated the concept of a jury trial where the people would actually be in charge of saying, no, we don't like that law, not guilty. No, we don't like that law, judgment favor the defendant. DOJ, take a hike. In fact, pay his attorney's fees. <laughs> that's the way it's supposed to work. But it doesn't work that way because they've adjusted who can sit on the bench, who can sit in the jury box, and who can even be a jury, let alone all the different ways that they limit out the jurors who actually sit in a particular case. Like, oh, well, you can't sit in this case because you don't trust police. Oh, you can't sit in this case because you don't like drug laws. Oh, you can't sit in this case because you think the EPA is a load of shit. You can't sit in this case because you think the FDA is unconstitutional. All those things are supposed to be, yeah, the people need to go in there. Why? Because they represent different views of the people. So that's absolutely should be sitting in there. And that just would show you they can't get their laws enforced. And that's why they limit these jurors and who can sit. Why they rig these whole things up as complete kangaroo courts. Let's continue. 
It was an act as purely despotic in principle as would have been the express abolition of all juries whatsoever. By the law of the land, which the kings were sworn to maintain, every free adult male British subject was eligible to the jury box with full power to exercise his own judgment as to the authority and obligation of every statue of the king, which might come before him. And you can't really understand that unless you've listened to the other parts of this essay, but I can't go back over it. But it just basically is saying the same thing, that you have to reflect the fact that the jury is supposed to reflect the entire citizenry. That's where you really get the idea of whether or not there's consent to the government, consent to the laws being passed. But the principle of these statutes fixing the qualifications of jurors is that nobody is to sit in judgment upon the acts of legislation of the king or the government except those whom the government itself shall select for that purpose. A more complete subversion of the essential principles of the English Constitution could not be devised. Yes, this is the reality. As I've said again and again in countless podcasts, either the people are in charge of the government or the government's in charge of the people. And the way the structure is right now, the government is in charge of the people. And the people are told that the people are in charge of the government. But the reality is not the case. And the vote has been shown again and again. I've shown people it's utter shit. Let's continue. The juries of England are illegal for another reason. That the statutes cited require the jurors except in London and a few other places, to be freeholders. All the other free British subjects are excluded, whereas at common law, all such subjects are eligible to sit in juries, whether they be freeholders or not. And this is going to get into this discussion of what a freeholder is, which was in the last show. That's why it was important. And if you don't remember it, well, he kind of explains it here. It is true The ancient common law required the jurors to be freeholders, but the term freeholder no longer expresses the same idea that it did in the ancient common law, because no land is now holden in England on the same principle or by the same tenure as that on which all the land was held in the early times of the common law. And as heretofore been mentioned, in the early times of the common law, the land was considered the property of the state and was all holden by the tenants, so-called that is, the holders, on the condition of their rendering certain military and civil services to the state or to the king as the representative of the state under the name of rents. Those who held lands on these terms were called free tenants, that is, free holders, meaning free persons or members of the state holding lands, to distinguish them from villains or serfs who were not members of the state but held their lands by a more servile tenure, and also to distinguish them from the other persons' foreign birth, outlaws, and other persons who were not members of the state. Every freeborn adult male Englishman who had not lost his civil rights by crime or otherwise was entitled to land of right, that is, by virtue of his civil freedom or membership of the body politic. Every member of the state was therefore a freeholder, and every freeholder was a member of the state. And the members of the state were therefore called freeholders. But what is material to be observed is that a man's right to land was an incident to his civil freedom not his civil freedom an instant to his right to land. He was a freeholder because he was freeborn member of the state and not a freeborn member of the state because he was a freeholder. For this last would be an absurdity. This is just a long way of saying that, look, they're saying freeholder, but the, the term has changed and he's going back over to show you that the way the common law jury is supposed to work is that everybody who's a citizen-ish kind of person in the country is supposed to be there, not picking among the citizens, not choosing among certain groups of the citizens, not certain amount of money, certain amount of land, certain this, certain that. No, it's supposed to represent everybody. 
And they're just showing that by as soon as they start eliminating that, you've completely blown the system up because now the state is picking who it will be that will sit in judgment of their laws. So they're just making sure the people who aren't going to approve are just not on the juries. And that's, of course, what we have today, the worst kind of way. Let's continue. As the tenures of lands changed, the term freeholder lost its original significance and no longer described a man who held land at the state by virtue of his civil freedom, but only one who held it fee simple, that is, free of any liability to military or civil service. But the government, in fixing the qualifications of jurors, has adhered to the term freeholder after that term has ceased to express the thing originally designated by it. In this typical word games, this is what the government does. They play word games. And then under our government, of course, the government itself claims to have the right and the authority to interpret the words and tell you what it is, no different than they did with marriage or anything else. They just interpret it. They tell you what your constitutional rights are, what the Second Amendment says. They interpret all these words. They make it all up. And as long as the government's standing around, the government's the one who's supposedly in charge of telling you what the words mean and then enforcing it, well, then you're not free. It's supposed to be left to the people. And as soon as they start limiting the number of people and the types of people who get to make that decision on jurors, it's over. Let's continue. The principle, then, of the common law was that every freeman or freeborn male Englishman of adult age was eligible to sit in juries by virtue of his civil freedom or his being a member of the state or body politic. But the principle of the present English statute is that a man shall have a right to sit in juries because he owns lands in fee simple. At the common law, a man was born to the right to sit in juries. By the present statute, he buys that right when he buys his land. And thus this, the greatest of all the political rights of an Englishman, has become a mere article of merchandise, a thing that is bought and sold in the market for what it will bring. Of course, there can be no legality in such juries as these, but only in juries to which every free or natural-born adult male Englishman is eligible. Right. But again, here it is. It's just, he's bringing the examples up and showing you the clear example of the way it developed in, in England, and he brings up examples in America of how it's also been carried over. But the concepts are universal, that the people that the government claims to have a right to rule over have to be ultimately in charge of the government. And the way that happens is with these juries, where 12 random people have to go in and agree. And if you can't get agreement, then the law can't be enforced. And it doesn't matter it passed by a 51 to 50 vote in the, in the crooked Congress. It doesn't matter. That's the reason you have the jury. That's why keeping certain kinds of people off the jury and only allowing certain kinds of people to serve on the jury is such a scam. And, of course, ours has been taken to such a heightened level of absurdity at this point with these giant 60-page kind of jury questionnaires and being struck for a million different reasons. I can tell you right now, I have actually haven't been called for jury service in decades. It's completely absurd. <laughs> I have no idea why. No idea why. I mean, not that I'd ever get picked anyway, but, you know, that's the reality. Let's continue. The second essential principle of the common law controlling the selection of jurors is that when the selection of the actual jurors comes to be made, made from the whole body of male adults, that selection shall be made in some mode that excludes the possibility of choice on the part of the government. Of course, this principle forbids the selection to be made by any officer of the government. And that's makes perfect sense. Again, you can't have a government officer picking who's going to be on the jury. That taints the entire thing. Let's continue. There seem to have been at least three modes of selecting jurors at the common law. One, by lot. Two, two knights or other freeholders were appointed, 
probably by the sheriff, to select jurors. And three, by the sheriff, bailiff, or other person who held the court, or rather acted as his ministerial office. Probably the latter mode may have been the most common, although there may be some doubt on this point. At the common law, the sheriffs, bailiffs, and other officers were chosen by the people instead of being appointed by the king. This has been shown in former chapter, which is true. At common law, therefore, jurors selected by these officers were legally selected, so far as the principle now under discussion is concerned. That is, they were not selected by any officer who was dependent on the government. But in the year 1315, 100 years after Magna Carta, the choice of sheriffs was taken from the people, and it was enacted, quote, that the sheriffs shall henceforth be assigned by the chancellor, treasurer, barons of the exchequer, and by the justices, and in the absence of the chancellor, by the treasurer, barons, and justices, close quote. So these officers who appointed the sheriffs were themselves appointed by the king and held their office during his pleasure. Their appointment of sheriffs was, therefore, equivalent to an appointment by the king himself. And the sheriffs, thus appointed, held their offices only during the pleasure of the king and were, of course, mere tools of the king. And their selection of jurors was really a selection by the king himself. In this manner, the king usurped the selection of jurors who were to sit in judgment upon his own laws. So there you go. A hundred years after Magna Carta, he's given example after example of the way they slowly crept in to try to chip away at this right. Because if the jurors operate the way they're supposed to, if they sit the way they're supposed to, then the people are actually in charge and very small minorities all get represented. And you can't have laws which don't actually treat people equally. Instead of having this fake lip service about equality under the law, which we don't have, you'd have real equality because any of these minorities would simply get on there and be voting not guilty. Judgment for defendants whenever the Department of Justice showed up. And these laws, these bullshit laws, which abuse small groups that can't win uh, any kind of electoral power, they'd all be sitting on juries saying no, and the laws would go away. But as soon as you allow the government itself to start rigging the juries, and, of course, they rigged way beyond the juries in our country. They rigged the evidence, they rigged the laws, the interpretation, what the jurors can hear, the standards, the burdens, everything. The witnesses, the interpretations, it's just absurd. Full control. Complete kangaroo courts. But he's talking right now about the most fundamental principles, which is the very people who are going to sit on the jury themselves cannot be selected in any way by the government. Let's continue. Here, then, was another usurpation by which the common law trial by jury was destroyed, so far as related to the county courts in which the sheriffs presided and which were the most important courts of the kingdom. From this cause alone, if there were no other, there's not been a legal jury in county court England for more than 500 years. Of course, it's 650 years now because he was writing 150 years ago. He just shows the long history of the fraud that goes on. Continue. In nearly or quite all the states of the United States, the juries are illegal for one or the other same reasons that make the juries in England illegal. In order that the juries in the United States be legal, that is, in accordance with the principles of the common law, it is necessary that every adult male, of course now it would be females, member of the state should have his name in the jury box or be eligible as a juror. Yet this is the case in hardly a single state. And then he goes through and reads out some of these ways that the states in the United States limit who can be on the jury. I'll read a couple of them here. In New Jersey, Maryland, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Mississippi, the jurors are required to be freeholders. 
But this requirement is illegal for the reason that the term freeholder in this country has no meaning analogous to the meaning it had in the ancient common law. So again, they start playing games with what you can do, who can sit, limiting it out, right? This is a, a way that poor people and people who don't really have any representation get screwed. Imagine if people in the ghetto who've all been locked out of juries because of these fake gun crimes and fake drug crimes. Imagine if you'd always had jury trials. Imagine if you had to go pull a jury and just take the first 12 people that came up. How many drug convictions do you think the DA could get? These minor bullshit cases, tons of people don't agree with. It's a huge amount of the so-called litigation going on in civil and criminal courts when it comes to the Department of Justice and any kind of civil or criminal case that most people don't even believe in. A huge numbers of people are struck from the jurors. How many of these tax cases could they win? How many drug cases? How many? Let's read a couple more examples. In Arkansas, Missouri, Indiana, and Alabama, jurors are required to be freeholders or householders. Each of these requirements is illegal. What do you mean a householder? What if I don't own a house? <laughs> I have to obey the laws, but I don't get a say in the laws? It makes no sense, right? In Florida, they're required to be householders. Again, completely nonsense. He goes and gives a whole listing of additional ways that different states have struck them out. And they're all crap, Okay. And there's no reason to go through all of them because if you want to go read them, you can. But they all serve the same purpose, which is the state is limiting the kinds of people who can sit on the jury. And the entire concept of this is so integrally tied to the the essay on the Constitution called No Treason, meaning that, look... So someone like me, who's basically an anarchist, I don't believe in this, uh, this made-up authority that because a couple other people decided to do something, um, that therefore I have to do it. That I have to be able to convince them, or I lose my rights, or they can just come with guns and take my shit. No, there has to be a moral foundation. See, if, if you get four or five people sitting around, we're going to go to dinner, and one guy says, I don't know, I don't know if I really want to go to dinner... But depending on where you go, I might go. And then the several of the people say, three or four of the people say, well, I think we're going to go X, Y, and Z places. I don't want to go there. Well, under the so-called freedom machine we have, what would happen is I would have to go there with them. In a real free system, I would just say, well, you guys go ahead. I'm not going. But under the governmental system we have, what happens is they take a vote. They decide they're going to do it. I get outnumbered. I must go. And in fact, they would have every right to simply vote that I have to pay for everybody's meal. Not only do I have to go, but I have to pay for their meal. That's the way legislation works. And the way the jury trial would work would be that they order me to go and I just veto it because I have a full veto power. And I say, no, you have to get unanimous consent. And see, in the Articles of Confederation required unanimity among the uh, members for anything of any importance and two-thirds to pass anything that wasn't. And then if still, of course, like I said, you should have the jury trial. But the concept is always the same, is you want to drive as much as possible towards complete and total unanimity amongst any of the people who the law supposedly applies to that they agree that the law should apply that the law is going to be imposed. And since doing that as a practical matter is basically impossible, once you get a lot of people, this jury trial is by far the best sort of uh, compromise that is very easily implemented. We already have all the structures in place. The people just simply need to be taught this, the reality. 
and the judges need to all be thrown out on their ear and preferably have some other bad things happen to them for having conned the people for so long. And the prosecutors need to have the exact same stuff. Basically, they all need to go sit in prisons the rest of their life, considering all the horrible things I've done to people, screwing their rights so badly, so badly. But we already have all the structure in place. All that has to happen is people need to understand that what the jurors are actually supposed to do is go down there and judge the law, the facts, the evidence, everything. The, the legitimacy of the law, the, the distrustworthiness of the prosecutor, all those things that have to be judged. And the people sit in judgment of whether or not it's constitutional or not constitutional. As soon as you get away from that, as soon as you do, as soon as you have the system we have now where the government sits in judgment of itself, it's over. The people are no longer in charge of the government. Anybody can see the result. It's been this way again and again. Hi, it's Legal Man. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you appreciate the unique insight and information I provide, then go over to my Patreon account for The Quash and become a member. I have bonus shows and material, early access, and it's a good place to meet like-minded people. I have people ask me all the time, what can we do, legal man? <laughs> well, start by voting with your pocketbook. It's the only vote that really counts. Support things that tell people the truth. Getting people to understand the truth is the only solution we have to this insanity. Look, I get it. There are a lot of people who can't afford to support my show with money. But there are a lot of people who can. And if you can and you like the show, you should support it. That's what free markets look like. The people running this scam, they have unlimited funding. I don't have support of that system. In fact, I get harassed because I tell people the truth that they don't want the people to know. So we have to stick together. So go sign up. Now let's get back to the show. The people sit in judgment of whether or not it's constitutional or not constitutional. As soon as you get away from that, as soon as you do, as soon as you have the system we have now where the government sits in judgment of itself, it's over. The people are no longer in charge of the government. Anybody can see the result. It's been this way again and again. And that's the entire purpose of all of it. So Now, he makes another important point here. I think it's interesting. It's certainly more of a technical point, but it's an important point. It regards to federal juries. In regard to jurors in the courts of the United States, it is enacted by Congress, quote, that jurors to serve in the courts of the United States in each state respectively shall have the like qualifications and be entitled to the like exemptions as jurors of the highest court of the law of such state now have and are entitled to and shall hereafter from time to time have and be entitled to and shall be designated by ballot, lot or otherwise, according to the mode of forming such juries now practiced and here and after be practiced therein, insofar as such mode may be practicable by the courts of the United States or the offices thereof, and for this purpose the said court shall have power to make all necessary rules and regulations for conforming the designation and impaneling the jurors in substance to the laws and usages now in force in such state, and further shall have power by rule or order from time to time to conform the same to any change in the respects for which they may hereafter adopted by the legislatures of the respective states for the state courts. Period. Close quote. That's one sentence. <laughs> this is the kind of horse shit that the government uses all the time. How, how the hell is anyone, a uh, normal person, going to understand what is in there? They're going to see that, then they're just going to give up, right? But, but ultimately, all this means is that the jurors for federal courts 
shall be chosen in effect the same way as the states themselves each choose them. So whatever the law is in the state for choosing jurors to sit in state cases, basically the federal courts in those states will use that. This is not unusual. This is similar in a lot of different ways in federal court. They often do things that you have to look to the state law for this kind of thing and that kind of thing, and they apply state law or another state's law, depending on the case. Not only do you have jurisdiction and venue, you also get choice of law issues, which just means that you might actually have to try the case in Texas, but the Texas court may have to use Louisiana law. That happens. That's not a situation that never happens in the law. It is. And the point here, like I said, is that Congress is simply outsourcing its requirements for jurors to the states, whatever the kind of corrupt load of shit they can get in place in the states, that's what the federal court will use. So you, you don't even get the same kind of trial depending on the state you're holding in uh, in a federal court. So if you get a different kind of jury in Montana than you do in Alabama, <laughs> beyond the fact that the people are different, the selection of jurors is whatever the state chooses. Okay, this is how ridiculous it is. Let's hear what Spooner has to say about it because he's dead on point. In this corrupt and lawless manner, Congress, instead of taking care to preserve the trial by jury, so far as they might, by providing for the appointment of legal juries, incomparably the most important of all our judicial tribunals, and the only ones in which the least reliance can be placed for the preservation of liberty, have given the selection of them over entirely to the control of an indefinite number of state legislatures, and thus authorized each state legislator to adopt the juries of the United States to the maintenance of any and every system of tyranny that may prevail in such state. <laughs> exactly. See, this is the reality. This is, this is what I just said, and that is that whatever kind of corrupt load of shit you can get jammed through for jurors, in the state, well, that's what the Congress has said will be used for federal court in that state. <laughs> and like I said, it's not that unusual for these kinds of things. That, oh, yeah, we, we bow to this, whatever the state you know, Supreme Court says. And these, like I said, these jury rules are concocted in certain kinds of ways. And then the Supreme Courts usually issue them in different kinds of uh, rules, regulations. There's some quasi kind of legislation on it broadly. And then it gets interpreted and enacted through Supreme Court normally. Same way the uh, rules of civil procedure and criminal procedure get enacted in most states, same kind of way. This kind of weird quasi legislative thing. So let's see what else Spooner has to say about it. Congress have as much constitutional right to give over all the functions of the United States government in the hands of the state legislatures to be exercised within each state in such manner as the legislature of such state shall please to exercise them as they have to thus give up to these legislatures the selection of jurors for the courts of the United States. <laughs> right. This happens all the time, this kind of, oh, well, the president's doing that with some kind of executive order. Well, the Congress can't do that. Oh, they give that to the FADA. That's rulemaking authority. They can't give away their authority, just like the court can't give it to the legislature. Legislature can't give it to the court. The courts can't give it to the president. The president can't give it to the courts. They each have to stay within their area, but they don't. They just blur it all the time. Why? How? Because only the government sits in judgment of the government, the way the system is currently constructed and interpreted. 
That's why. And the constitutional conservatives do not tell people the truth. They tell them this incredible lie on and on about the Supreme Court and all these big cases that came out recently. That's why I rag on them so hard, because what they do is they push the narrative, and the narrative is the problem. The underlying cases, who cares? These are details, they're jiggles. The thing that matters is that people are told that we have to wait and that the Supreme Court tells us, and whatever that happens, then we have to live with it, and they interpret the Constitution, and that's blah, blah. That's all crap. The purpose and the way the system could work and be in check, even with large numbers of people, is through actual juries. And in a country this big, with this many people, uh, with this many crazy laws, I think the only way you actually get it done is to increase the size of the jurors from 12 to, say, 20, and you have to get unanimous uh, consent on the juries. You'd get that in civil and uh, criminal trials, and trust me, all these government laws all gone. All these regulatory actions, they're all gone. They're never going to work. They'll all fail. They'll all fail. Sure, 12 jurors made sense when, uh, you know, it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. The towns were small. You know, that's pretty reasonable. Now, today, with this crazy multicultural lure shit they've shoved in, everything, in order to get people with real minority views on there, I think about 20 jurors on the uh, jury panel. These 20 random people, you pull them out, you put them on there, that's it. How many of these cases do you think you're going to win as a prosecutor? Try zero, unless it's a true murder, robbery, rape, and you've got a solid case. Then people are all going to convict. Nobody wants to be getting murdered. No one wants to be victim of a rape or murder or robbery or burglary, fraud, theft. They don't want to. But all these other laws, these made-up laws, you're never going to get any convictions. Same with all these fake DOJ civil cases. They bring in all these regulatory violations. This shit would all go away. It would all go away. And that's the way you stop it. That's the way you stop it. So let's continue. There has probably never been a legal jury nor a legal trial by jury in a single court of the United States since the adoption of the Constitution. I mean, think about that. That guy was writing in 1870 when he wrote this, generally. And think how bad it is now. Think how crazy it is now. All the different ways the federal government's grown. All the different ways a court rigs it up now. Just a million different ways. There was never even a legit trial by jury back then. What do you think's happening now? <laughs> it's crazy. These facts show how much reliance can be placed in written constitutions to control the action of the government and preserve the liberties of the people. Damn right. This is why I did no treason first. This is why it's so important, because if you understand this concept I'm explaining to you that the system's already set up to do, if you simply expand the jury out to about 20 people and you pull them in randomly, you just pull them in randomly, and that, that whoever comes up sits, unless they literally have a direct conflict. They're supposed to get money from the case. There's the fact that they know somebody on the case. It doesn't matter. I already showed you. All sorts of people knew people in the jury. It's almost impossible not to know people, have heard about people. That's not what a jury's supposed to be. And if you had those juries, it would be over and you wouldn't have to worry. And all this idea, well, I don't consent to this, I don't consent to that. Well, great. People go down, serve on juries and say not guilty and all these bullshit laws, they won't get enforced. <laughs> you couldn't do it. As of right now, you can't go down there and sit in judgment of these bogus tax laws. Why? Because they strike everybody else and you don't have standing to bring civil suits. So you don't get any say. If you had real juries, then the people would simply not pay it. They go down there and have a trial and the fucking one of the 20 people say, nah, not guilty. And those tax laws couldn't be enforced. They'd have to actually be fair and equal. 
not the horse shit they spew out to every little minority. They make pay. And then they hand money out to somebody else who's their friend. It would work, people. The structure is there. The government could be massively put in check if people understand this concept. Let's continue. If the real trial by jury had been preserved in the courts of the United States, that is, if we had had legal jurors and the jurors had known their rights, it is hardly probable that one-tenth of the past legislation of Congress would have ever been enacted, or at least that, if enacted, it could have been enforced. This guy's writing 150 years ago talking about the fact that all these bullshit laws, they could never work. It would never work back then, and he's right. And it's only gotten a thousand times worse. See, a thousand times worse. But this is the purpose of it. Protect the people from government. The very idea that the government somehow is entitled to a fair trial, all these things, they bend over backwards and make sure the prosecutor gets this and the United States gets that. That's all bullshit. The purpose of the trials when your government's coming after somebody is to make sure the individual gets a fair trial. Not that the government gets a fair trial. That's idiotic. That's asinine. That turns it all on its head. And these constitutional conservatives are the worst. They just lie to people endlessly. They refuse to tell them the truth. Now, let's finish up this chapter. Probably the best mode of appointing juries would be this. Let the names of all adult male members of the state, of course now it's females, in each township be kept in a jury box by the officers of the township. And when a court is to be held for a county or other district, let the officers of a sufficient number of townships be required without seeing the names to draw out a name from their boxes respectively to be returned to the court as a juror. This mode of appointment would guard against collusion and selection and juries so appointed would be likely to be a fair epitome of quote, the country, close quote. Wow, so good. Yeah, if you just had the first 20 random names pulled out <laughs> and went down there, and they, they're the people who sat on the jury, I'm telling you, 99% of all the bullshit that people complain about today, the unfairness, the inequality, the, it would all go away. It would all go away because all the minority groups, they'd have their voice represented in there. I mean, you're talking about 5% now. All the way down to 5%. It's, I mean, that is a very small minority if you've got 20 people sitting on there. You're not going to get convictions and all these bullshit made-up crimes and regulatory violations and all these civil suits that the DOJ threatens people with. None of that stuff would work under the system. And we don't have to do anything at all except expand the jury box. And I'd live with the 12, but I think people would like it and they'd see that we should expand it to 20. We'll spend the money, expand it out eight more seats and that's it. And draw them up like this and, and get rid of all this void dire shit where they're just trying to pick the jury, get these jurors. They, we need education and we need real juries and this place can be kept in line. We can get it back in order. And then we can start working on problems to decentralize this whole thing. But just having that alone would work. Just having that alone. Oh, that's the end of that chapter. It's a great chapter. I, I made it in two shows. I skipped over some of those ridiculous examples only because not that they're unreasonable and someone can't go read them. It's just that I've read a few. People get the idea. You know, the show's already long enough as it is and the, and the series is already long enough. And the purpose of the series is not to go over every single word. It's to get across the concepts that are in there. And the most important concepts in this chapter are... The fact that this thing reflects that no treason and the idea of consent to government and the idea that if you don't consent to the laws, that the laws can't be enforced against you because otherwise that's not moral. 
has no moral basis to do that. And that's what jurors do. When you have these juries, they can go in there and they can say, no, not guilty and or judgment for the defendant. And that's it. This law, they attempt to jam down everybody's throats. It doesn't work. And it just ends right there. And then you don't have to worry about these fake laws. You don't have to worry about it. And you don't have to argue and try to pass out flyers and try to get a a so-called majority and then get that majority to be so-called honest and to not cave in and not be bribed and to actually get laws included. And you don't have to worry about shitty judges and corrupt prosecutors and crooked police. You don't have to worry about any of that because they can't just strike you off because you don't trust government. All the different people who don't trust government, they'd all be on jurors. Think of all the people who don't trust government for a million different reasons and a million different ways, and they all get struck depending on the kind of case because they have a so-called prejudice. All those people would be sitting on those cases with the prejudice, and that'd be it. Cases would never, ever be able to go forward and be successful. And very quickly, this thing, whole thing would get cleaned up. Very quickly. So... So there you go. I hope I've made it clear. I don't know if I am at this point. Like I said, I don't, I'm not even sure the series is popular. I'm still going to finish it because I think it's super important. Uh, so I'm going to keep doing it. But that's it for that chapter, and I hope people enjoyed that chapter. It's one of my favorites because of the points I've already discussed. And I bring these things up, like I say, on Twitter. If you want to follow me, I'm Legal Man at U.S. Law Review. Most of the time, they're not that popular. They just aren't. Um, because so many constitutional conservatives are so brainwashed, and they should be on my side, but they're not because all those bad actors in the media, government and academia, have been brainwashing them their entire lives. And I, I used to be a constitutional conservative, but you know, a couple decades ago I figured it out. But I believed all that same crap, and then I figured it out, and I've been pissed at them ever since because I see all the people they screw because they keep these people who are on my side but don't know they're on my side. They think they're actual constitutional conservatives, but they're not. They're limited government people. And the Constitution doesn't do that the way it's been interpreted. But this jury trial stuff could work. And there's lots of other things. I've made shows about what else we could do. But step one, for sure, is this understanding of jury trials and going down there is dragging those, those judges out and these prosecutors out who keep violating everybody's rights every day and holding them to account and putting them in prisons if uh, they don't step down, make amends for all the wrong they've done, and then go away. Otherwise, they all need to go to prison. All their assets need to be stripped out. And we need to go and claw it all back from anybody who's in private practice now who was on the bench for a while or prosecuted for a while and then went out into private practice. Nope. You need to go out there, grab them, throw them all in prisons. I'm sorry. No, no statute of limitations on this stuff. The abuse that goes on by government employees... Uh, and functionaries in the justice system, both cops, uh, district attorneys, judges, all those people, they, there's no statute of limitations, in my opinion, should be none, on any of the stuff they do wrong. These people they send to prison improperly, all the people they convict improperly, all the, the judgments people end up having taken against them because of all this bullshit that gets done in these courts. There should be no statute of limitations. Those people need to all face fat, massive individual fines, penalties, and prison time for all the crap they've done, in my opinion. That's just me. But, you know, lots of other people, oh, no big deal, doing the job, all this stupid crap. So, whatever. I want to thank the people who are on Patreon. I hope that you guys like this series. I know the series is taking a lot of episodes, but I think it's worthwhile. And I appreciate you guys' support for me. And, you know, it's nice to know that other people are willing to put skin in the game. 
like me. I put skin in the game. I spent all this time to learn it. I spent all this time to make the show. I take the risks. And I appreciate the fact that people respect my time and effort and the information I give people. Because there's just no other podcast like mine. That's just the reality. There just isn't. So not that there's not tons of people who do great work. There are. It's just what I do is unique. It just is. So thank you to the people in Patreon. And same update on the movie, looking at September for uh, finishing up the edits. It'll definitely be out this fall, hopefully in September-ish kind of time frame. The Jones Plantation, I play Mr. Jones. It was written by Larkin Rose. Fantastic liberty project about the allegory of going from chattel slavery to debt slavery and all the different scams they pull. I think it's going to be really great. I hope when the movie comes out, people support it, make it make a lot of money so that we can shake things up and start making more movies like that because we need to have a voice. We need another way to reach people because if we can reach some people, we can still win even though we're up against it. We can win. There's nothing that prevents it. (laughs) I'm showing people the way. Jury trials are the way. It doesn't matter. They can't change the rules once people understand them because the people get to decide what the rules are at that point. So they can't take it from us. That's the key part. So, and beyond that, I don't know. I don't think there's much else to say. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. You guys have been a great audience as usual. Everybody have a nice night or day, wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Put your hands together one more time for Legal Man. Great show. Thanks so much. Forget to check your service on the way out. More quash. More quash.